on in a little bit. It'll all become clear. But, but just to kind of paint the picture, I was trying to figure out the, the, uh, an image of Father's Day. And as I did a Google search for Father's Day, it came up with ties and bow ties and mustaches. And I, personally, I didn't want to grow a mustache just for Father's Day. And um, my wife is very grateful for that. Uh, it's, it would be a very... Uh, uh, I'd have to throw up a tent outside and sleep, I think. It's just me. No, I, nobody else, if you, if you have a mustache, that's okay. That's just me. Ask my wife afterwards. And so I found this bow tie, so I thought I'd try it out. I didn't even wear a bow tie for our wedding. So uh, you guys are, are privileged to be able to see a bow tie on me because it's a little tight, but it'll do. It's this image of Father's Day for all the fathers that are in the room. Happy Father's Day to you all. For everyone else, welcome to Living Way this morning. We're going to have an awesome morning as we open the Word of God, as we study and as we dig into God's Word and our children are learning downstairs. We're going to learn upstairs and it's just going to be a great time. We're going to celebrate dads this morning. Is that okay? Dads, all dads, put your hands in the air. Put your hands nice and high. I got a question for you. Yes, you, that's great. You can clap. That's I clap for me and every the other dads. Okay, here it is. How many of you got breakfast in bed this morning? Anybody? I didn't get breakfast in bed either. You know, it, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Moms get breakfast in bed. They deserve it. Dads, we get the barbecue and we get to make food. Right? No? Okay. I did some research. This is very interesting. Can you uh, imagine with me just for a second? How many of you know what day of the year the most phone calls are made on? Mother's Day. Moms. Everybody wants to call their mom on Mother's Day. I call my mom on Mother's Day. Wish her a happy Mother's Day. Guess what happens on Father's Day? The most number of collect calls. I guess we're wanted or needed. And I didn't get a collect call. In fact, I text my dad this morning to wish him... Happy Father's Day. He texted me actually beforehand and wished me a happy Father's Day and then said, tell the kids that it's the only day that they have to leave you alone. And I said, it said laugh out loud afterwards. I said, yeah, I'll tell them that, but it's not going to happen. And uh, it's crazy, eh? The most collect calls happen on Father's Day. Dads like to be needed. It's all good though. Father's Day is a great time. I had the chance to... uh, See my dad on Father's Day, or not on Father's Day, sorry, on Friday. We went down to the cottage because he was there, and we took him his Father's Day gift. And, and I'm, I'm so thankful for my dad and, and who my dad has been in my life. Uh, probably years growing up when I was uh, starting the same age as my son into, uh, into my teenage years, uh, I didn't really understand my dad. I mean, I knew who my dad was, but maybe I didn't understand him fully, but I've learned after about 16, 17, 18 that how much he's instilled in me and how important he is to me. So I'm just bragging about my dad right now just because it's Father's Day and he's not here. And, and uh, I just want you to know, like, I'm so grateful for my dad and I'm grateful for all the fathers that are here because you play an important role in the lives of your children. And uh, we want to wrestle through a little bit of that this morning, what it looks like to be a dad what it looks like to uh, have, what characteristics are important for a dad that I think we can highlight. And it doesn't just talk to dads, so moms, you don't get to tune out, or if you're not a dad yet, you don't get to tune out, you can still listen, because they're very valuable principles. 
I was uh, studying on reading, uh, looking and just kind of looking at different funny stories. And this, ad, this article posted that popped up that was posted in Reader's Digest that said, Say what, Dad? Say what, Dad? And it said this. The, the writer wrote in and says, Our Gen X daughter, Christy, made my husband a Father's Day card called, entitled, Things My Dad Would Never Say. Things my dad would never say, such as, you can turn up that music. Yeah, that doesn't happen. That, I mean, it was oldies 11.50 in our car for the drive. When I tried to put my stuff on, it was like, what is this racket and ruckus? Turn it down. Go ahead and take my truck, and here's 50 bucks for gas. If dad ever said that, oh my. Remember, these are things dad would never say. I love your tattoo. We should both get new ones. This is my favorite of all. Here, hon, you take the remote. (laughs) Things my dad would never say. It's usually a fight to get the remote control, isn't it? It's amazing how we can stereotype dads, isn't it? We can stereotype dads to look a certain way. We can pretend like this is the image, this bow tie, but... Often our culture changes the image of who dad is or what dad is. And our culture takes it this incredibly large step further and paints a very poor picture of dads. We we laugh about it, you know, like with these quotes, simple quotes here, you take the remote or maybe you have one that you know your dad would never ever say to you. And we paint this picture, but culture takes it one step further Culture makes a very poor picture of dads sometimes, a lot of times actually. You see, fathers are an important, hold a special place in our society. A much higher place than what's given credit to them for or the significance of their impact. And our culture twists this and for instance, they start to do this. They, uh, They take commercials and sitcoms and TV shows about dads and oftentimes it's usually... Dad that doesn't look very intelligent. Dad that doesn't look very capable. Dad that doesn't look very involved. Now, I know that there are those pictures in, our, in reality, but, you know, media has really exploded this, and it's almost hard to find a good image of who a dad is. Most commercials or most sitcoms cast fathers as the family idiot. They don't understand anything. They can't... You know, they can't figure out how to be alone with the kids. They can't figure out how to do laundry unless they're told specifically or wash the toilets or anything like that. And this is the picture that culture's painting and we get this idea that dads are are really just there and not involved or not active or that they're really kind of Homer Simpson-like. It's kind of scary. And I just want to encourage dads that that's not the picture. That we have an important, an important role to play. That we have an important uh, piece in the development of our children. And as a dad, we have to take responsibility and we have to take ownership. And we need to be the fathers that God's calling us to be. Now, I don't want to beat anybody up this morning because I'm challenging myself just as much as I'm challenging anybody else. But culture says fathers are one way and God says fathers are another way. In fact... Scripture points a ton to 
describing God as a father. And if God is our father, it should give us a picture of how we as earthly fathers should be. I often have told students, and I believe this wholeheartedly, that a lot of times our picture of God as father is is an indication of who God, who our father, earthly father is. And we kind of, like we said last week, kind of cast or portray that onto God. This morning I want to talk about two things as we walk through this Father's Day ceremony, celebration, service, all of that. I want to look at two aspects. One, I want to look at the picture of our Father being God, our Father, and how that can maybe translate through different scriptures. And I want to look at characteristics that we need to become the fathers that God's calling us to be. So I want to look at two sides of the coin. I want to look at our Father. So I want to talk about some pictures. And I want to picture and paint a picture of our Father, God our Father, through different fathers we read about in Scripture. And then I want to take the transition in the last few moments to talk about a few characteristics that we as fathers need to embrace for our families, for our children. Throughout Scripture, God is described as our Father. And let's look at three pictures of fatherhood from the Bible that each show us an aspect of the great father, our father, and the heart of God. Pictures of our father. The first picture that we see, one of anyways, that we see is a willing father. We see God, our father, as a willing father. We see this in an earthly picture that portrays into God, our our father. Abraham, in Genesis chapter 22, had just been given this promise... Well, a few chapters earlier, it was given a promise from God that he would be the father of many nations. That God, through with Sarah, him and Sarah would have a son. That God would provide a child through his wife who was barren. And when we get to Genesis chapter 22, we've gone through the birth of, of his son Isaac. And we get to the place where he's growing up and he's a child. And God asks him to do something. God calls him to step out and to offer his son as a sacrifice. And we see Abraham's willingness to submit to God the Father. And yet God our Father is a willing Father. We see this through Abraham. Look at this. Sometime later, God tested Abraham's faith. Abraham, God called. So here he's testing his faith. Abraham, God called. Yes, he replied, here I am. Take your son, your only son. Catch this, take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac. Almost like he's like reminding him who that son is that I'm talking about. Take your son, your only son. Yes, Isaac, whom you love so much and go to the land of Moriah. Go and sacrifice him as a burnt offering on one of the mountains, which I will show you. So this, this test for me starts off very challenging because God comes to Abraham and says to Abraham, I want you to take your son, the son whom I promised to you, the son whom you love, the son whom you've received through Sarah, who was barren, who I have provided a way that you can have a child that will begin the steps for you to become a father of many nations. The promise fulfilled. I want you to take him and I want you to sacrifice him. And doesn't just say I want you to go to a, he gives him, you know, a certain space, but he says, I'll show you which mountain you're going to go to. So the picture is not very clear other than he's going to go on a journey and he's going to sacrifice his son in a place where he's not sure where he's going to go. 
I would ask this question, how many of you have ever gotten in the car and never had a destination you were going to? Most of us would plug it into GPS before we go so we know how to get there. And yet Abraham is willing to take his son Isaac, he's willing to sacrifice his son, and he's willing to listen to where God is going to show him where to go. His only son. I'll show you. I'll show you, God says. As the scripture continues, it says, The next morning, Abraham got up early. He saddled his donkey and took two of his servants with him, along with his son Isaac. They got up early the next morning without hesitation, without uh, banter, without uh, disagreement, or without trying to convince or talk God out of this, he gets up in the morning and he gets his stuff and he gets on the donkey, takes his servant and takes Isaac on the journey which he's going to lead to the place where he's going to sacrifice his son. Then, says, he chopped wood for for a fire for a burnt offering and set out for the place God had told him about. And he made his journey. Here we see Abraham. Here we see Abraham was willing to, in his love and devotion to God to be obedient, even, even in sacrificing his own son, even in giving up his own son. Well, we know as the story continues, as they go on this journey, they get to the place where they stop, and Abraham says to his servants, he says, you know what, you stay here. Well, the boy and I go over to worship, and and there's a line in there that's not part of necessarily part of this but it's important to read it says and then we will come back it's like we're both coming back even though he knows what god has told him that he's supposed to sacrifice him but he's telling his servants i think in faith that they're going to return because he had faith that god would raise his son from the dead even if he were to sacrifice him there they go over to the place where they're to build the altar and as they're walking there his son looks up at him and says dad You've got the firewood, you've got the stuff, the axe, all the stuff to do this. But where's the sacrifice? And as he's about to sacrifice his son, God stops him and says, Now I know that you would not withhold anything from me. We see this picture of Abraham as this willing father, willing in his love and devotion to God to be obedient to what he's calling him to do. This was the boy that God had promised him and he had waited years for. His wife Sarah had conceived him and gave birth and yet he's about to sacrifice him. He's willing to give God his only son whom he loves maybe you're like me and as a father you can only marvel the total obedience and faith you see god like abraham is a willing father who in his love and devotion for us was prepared and gave up his son his only begotten son jesus for us carried the wood the cross a very direct picture you see god our father is a willing father he's given us his son and given us the gift of eternal life freely remember we talked about last week for even you know for yet while we were still sinners god gave his son 
Jesus for us. And that because of him, we've been made alive in Christ. Abraham we see as a willing father, obedient to God. And God is a willing father that he's given, you know, every good and perfect gift. A willing father. One picture of the father. Second picture of our father is a weeping father. A weeping father. There's a story in 2 Samuel chapter 18. Now this is the end of it. It's kind of culminated in a bit more of this. But the story was when David's son Absalom had plotted treason against his father. He raised an army of discontents and sought to bring about a military coup to take his father's throne. David's loyal soldiers under General Joab's command went out to stop them in battle. And they did. And in fighting, Absalom himself was killed. And the news was brought back to David. Remember, so we have this, this father whose son has been disobedient. This father whose son has been, has been atta- wanting to take out his throne and take him down. And in 2 Samuel, we re- begin to read this story in verse 18, starting in verse 24. When Saul's men said these things to David, he replied, How can a poor Man, sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter. Second Samuel, not first Samuel, second Samuel, 18, verse 24. While David was sitting at the city gate, the watchman climbed to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked, he saw a lone man running towards them. He shouted the news down to David, and the king replied, If he is alone, he has news. As the messenger came closer, the watchman saw another man running towards them. He shouted down, Here comes another! The king replied, He also will have news. The first man runs, first man runs like Ahizmaz, son of Zodak, the watchman said. He is a good man and comes with good news, the king replied. Then Ahizmaz cried out, To the king, all is well. He bowed low with his face to the ground and said, Blessed be the Lord your God, who has handed over the rebels who dared to stand against you. What about young Absalom? The king demanded. Is he all right? Remember, Absalom is his son, who's plotted a rebellion against him to to overthrow him as king. And he's asking, what about young Absalom? Ahismad replied, When Joab told me to come there was a lot of commotion but i didn't know what was happening but i didn't know what was happening wait here the king told him so a a miss a his a stepped inside then the man from cush arrived and said i have good news for my lord the king today the lord has rescued you from all those who rebelled against you and look what happens in verse 32 what about young absalom the king demanded Is he all right? And the Ethiopian replied, May all of your enemies, my lord the king, both now and in the future, share the fate of that young man. And he's beginning to unfold the news of the death of his son. The king, look what happens here. The king was overcome with emotions 
he began to weep. Why? Because his son was dead. Even though his son had rebelled against him, even though his son wanted to overthrow him, even though his son wanted to be king of the land, the king was overcome with emotion and he wept because his son was dead. He wept. He wept. He went up to the room over the gateway and burst into tears. He wept. He was overfilled with emotion and he went into his room and he burst into tears because the son who he had raised, the son who he had sat on his lap and bounced on his knee and run around the kingdom with and the, the courtyard and the, and the castle with or whatever the house looked like, was now dead. And he was weeping because even in the rebellion, he was his son. As he went, he cried, Oh My son, Absalom. My son. My son, Absalom. If only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son. My son. Here we have the king weeping. A father weeping over his son. Heartbroken for the death of his son. Even though his son wanted to rebel against him. Absalom had not been a faithful son. He had dealt treacherously with his father. He sought to overthrow him from the throne. He was rebelling against him. But David, maybe like I said earlier, remembered those moments that he had with him as a boy or as as a youth and watched him grow up and grow into manhood. It was his flesh and blood. True father's Do not stop loving their children no matter what they go through. David loved Absalom even though he wanted to overthrow him. Even though he wanted to rebel and and get David out of the kingdom. And at the news of his death, David's heart was torn. A picture of a weeping father. Much like a picture of God. Who takes no delight in the destruction the wicked. He loves us. Oh, how He loves us. He loves us so much. Even though we try to rebel against Him. Even though maybe we try to throw Him out of being King in our life so that we can be King. He's weeping for us. Oh, my son, my daughter, my child. How I love you. We've all maybe turned our back on God at some point and gone our own way. And yet, God is still there. He's a weeping father, broken for us as we rebel against Him. He's a waiting, or He's a willing father to give. And lastly, He's a waiting father. Luke chapter 15, the story of the prodigal son. Where the father, day in and day out, after his son has come to take his inheritance and squander it in a land of just having fun for himself, making it all about me, me, me. And the father's waiting, even in the rebellion, for his son to return. As his son's gone away and his son has wasted all of his inheritance, all of his money, and he finds himself at the bottom of the barrel. He's, he's eaten a pig slop comes to his senses. He's like, I'm going to go home. 
Because even the servants in my father's house are treated better than, I, than, than what I'm in mess I'm in right now. I'm going to go home and just be a servant. And so he returned home to his father, the scripture said. And while he was still a long way off, his father saw him coming because he had been waiting day in and day out for his son to come home. He saw him coming and filled with love and compassion. He ran to his son, embraced him and kissed him. He was so excited that his son had come home that he began running and he embraced him and he kissed him. And scripture continues to say his son looked at him and said to his father, he says, Father, I've sinned against you, both heaven, sorry, I've sinned against both heaven and you. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Remember, he'd been planning this. He thought about this in the, in the pit. He thought, I'm going to go home. I'm going to tell dad this. He'd been planning this. It's probably been rolling through his head the whole way home. I'm going to say this to dad. The first thing I'm going to say is, I'm sorry. I've sinned against you. I've sinned against heaven. And I'm not worthy to be your son. It's been rolling, rolling, rolling through his head. And his dad, as he embraced him, he begins to, the son begins to tell him this. But his father said to the servants, Quick! Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Go get the best robe, the finest robe, and and put it on him. Get the ring for his finger and sandals for his feet. And kill the calf we've been fattening. Let's have a party. Basically. We must celebrate with a feast. We're going to have a party. For this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. Because he had been waiting and waiting and waiting. And waiting. He was lost, but now he's found. So the party began. Father who was waiting. The son had walked away, gone off on his rebellious in a rebellion on his, in a rebellious way, and yet the waiting father is out in the fields waiting, longing, hoping, looking. God is waiting for us to return. He's waiting. He's weeping. And He's willing. See, this is just a quick picture of God our Father. How would that translate for you and I as fathers if we embrace some of these characteristics ourselves? If we became the willing, the weeping, and the waiting fathers for our children, much like God is for His children, the church. God our Father loves us so much that He gave His Son for us, Jesus, that we could have eternal life through Him, that we could be made alive in Christ because we were dead in our sins and transgressions. Because of Christ, we've been made alive. God our Father is a great picture of a father. Here's what I want to do. I want to transition just a little bit here. And I want to talk to you about four traits that a father needs today. I mean, those three are obvious traits that we need today, but there are four traits that a father needs today that we could embrace. And remember, I said this at the start. I'm talking to myself here too. So please uh, hear that from my heart also. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2 paints this picture. Now, it's probably not a traditional Father's Day passage of Scripture, but it's a very powerful passage. Starting in verse 7, the Apostle Paul says, 
as apostles of Christ, we certainly had the right to make some demands of you. But we were as gentle among you as a mother feeding and caring for her own children. We loved you so much that we gave you not only God's good news, but our own lives too. Don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that our expenses would not be a burden to anyone there as we preach God's good news among you. You yourselves are our witnesses, and so is God, that we were pure and honest and faultless towards all of you believers. You know that we treated each other, we know that we treated each other, each of you, sorry, we know that we treated each of you as a father treats his own children. We plead with you, encouraged you, and urged you to live lives in a way that God would consider worthy. For He called you into His kingdom to share His glory. Now there's four traits or characteristics that we can pick up in this passage. And I mean, there's always more, but these are just four that I want to suggest to you this morning. And that a father, me as a father needs today, you as fathers, in fact, we'll translate them to all of us as the church. But I'm really pointing to fathers this morning on Father's Day. Four traits. Let's look at this. First trait is this. The trait is to be able to express genuine love. Fathers, we need to be able to express genuine love to our children. Real, genuine, authentic. Not fabricated, not uh, momentary, but genuine love. Genuine love. Real, transparent, authentic love. Patient, kind, gentle. Remember 1 Corinthians chapter 13? Love is able to express genuine love to our children. See, Paul writes this, he said, we loved you so much. Now, this wasn't just the phrase that we throw around in our culture, you know, oh man, I love you, or, or you know, I love that color or that shirt. It just becomes a word, and it's almost like this descriptive word. This was actual heartfelt, deep love that Paul shared. We loved you so much. We were heartbroken for you. We loved you deep in our being. We need to express genuine love deep from within to our children that they know that we love them. That we love them no matter where they are, no matter what they're going through, no matter what they're doing, that we love them unconditionally. And that we're able to express that. See, maybe we can say we do, but do we actually show that we love? We need to be able to express genuine love. The Apostle Paul said, we loved you so much, so deep, so rich, so, uh, so in the depths of who we are. This was very much a sincere, authentic love for people. Not a, oh, we loved you. No, this is deep, authentic, and expressed love in how they lived their life. Able to express genuine love. Now this is a challenge, I get it. I'm there. 
But how do we do it? We need to be able to express genuine love. Our children need to know it. It's so important as they grow. As they grow. I knew. I knew my dad loved me. Even if we butted heads. I knew just because of what he would do. How he lived out. Everything that he did. About me. For me. As much as he could with me. The ability. We need to be able to express genuine love. Not only that. The second thing that we as dads need to be able to do. Is to have a transparent life. That they need to be able to see. One God through you. They need to be able to see how to treat and respect uh, women and their spouse. Transparent life. Paul says, we loved you so much that we shared with you not only God's word, but our lives too. You see, we loved you so much. We were expressing this, this genuine love. It was so, we loved you so much. That we didn't just tell you about God's word. We shared our lives with you. We had this transparent life where we were involved in your life. We were involved in what you were doing. We were there with you. We were sharing our lives with you. And as fathers and as the church, we need to be sharing transparent lives. Now, transparent lives doesn't mean that you you know, open up the gates and show everything and everybody. And you kind of just bear the whole soul to the world. Transparent life is sharing your life, being involved. In fact, we somebody said it this way, owning and caring for each other. Because we love so much. We share our lives with you, transparent, we're involved, we're connected, we're caring. Notice that there's a connection between gospel and lives. It's one thing to hear the gospel. But it's another thing to live it and to show how to live it. You model it. You're transparent. I'm going to tell my kids that they need to honor and, and, and respect me and obey me. But they don't see me loving my wife as Christ loved the church. They don't see me as caring for my children, teaching them the word and living out what I'm telling them. We're being transparent. Living transparent lives. Affects everything you do. And your children see it. As a dad, we have to be able to express genuine love. That our kids know how much we love them. How proud of them we are. Not just by giving them things. By being involved in their life. By being transparent when we teach them the gospel. By being transparent when we, when we share our lives with them. So that they can see that the gospel or the good news. Or the, or the life that we're trying to help them to understand. We're living it out. Able to express genuine love. A transparent life. Third one would be this. Genuine spirituality. Authentic Christianity if you want to. Phrase it another way. That you're living out who, who and what you say you believe in. I believe in Jesus and I'm going to live like I believe in Jesus, not just talk about it. I'm not just going to make it a, a Sunday thing. I'm going to make it a life thing. I'm not just going to make it when it's convenient. It's going to be all the time. It's going to be who I am. 
that I have genuine spirituality. Paul says, don't you remember, dear brothers and sisters, how hard we worked among you? I mean, this, this here point here, Paul's talking about, we, we worked so that we could teach you the gospel so that we didn't burden you. There's another part of scripture where Paul talks about, you know, paying laborers appropriately, paying uh, those who, who share the gospel with you. That, but Paul's saying, I don't care for the money. I'm going to be a tent maker so that I can make my own money. I'm going to work hard so that I can make enough that I'm not going to be a burden to you. So they worked hard amongst each other. Night and day we toiled to earn a living so that we would, be, so that we would not be a burden to any of you as we preach God's good news to you. You yourselves are witnesses, and so is God. You yourselves are witnesses, so is God. That we were devote and honest and faultless towards all of you believers. That we were devote, that we were honest, that we were faultless, that we were, we were, we were preaching the gospel and we were doing all that we could to enhance so that you could hear the, the message of Jesus. That we had this, this genuine spirituality, this real connection with God and we cared to share it. And we worked hard and we still shared it. And we lived it out every day and every moment of our life. God has commissioned dads to be spiritual leaders. You are the spiritual leader of your home whether you realize it or not, whether you like it or not. You'll either lead your family closer to God or further away. As a Christian, dads, It's your responsibility, and I bear this just as much as you do. It's our responsibility to lead our families closer and closer to Him. Four characteristics for dads. One, able to express genuine love. Two, a transparent life. Three, genuine spirituality, authentic Christianity, however you want to phrase it. And the fourth one, a positive influence. You're a positive influence on your children, on your community. Paul says, we pleaded with you. We encouraged you. We urged you to live lives in a way that God would consider worthy. In a life that God would consider worthy. For He called you to share in His kingdom and glory. You see, fathers encourage and love and urge and pick your children up. I was once asked by a, as we were doing a Father's Day thing, how could you describe your dad? I said, my dad was someone who picked me up even if I fell. My dad would cheer me on even if I screwed up. My dad would be there for me to encourage me, to urge me. Taught me how to love and to care. Taught me how to look after, nurture a family. He was an influence, and influences could go either way, but he was a very positive influence. If you have that influence mixed with Christian character, mixed with transparency, mixed with this authentic ability to express genuine love, you're going to lead your children to know God and to honor and care for their families, to love their children one day, your grandchildren, to care for their spouse, 
and to love God with all their heart. It's a story I heard. It was kind of challenging to me. It was a story that was given. It said, I was just 12 years old. My Boy Scout troop planned a father-son camp out. I was thrilled and could hardly wait to rush home and give my father all the information. I wanted so much to show him all I learned in scouting. And I was so proud when he said he would go with me. So proud. Big smile on my face. The Friday of the camp out finally came. And I had all my gear on the, out on the porch ready to stuff in the car the moment he arrived. We were all to meet at the school at 5 o'clock to go out to the campground. But my dad didn't get home until 7 p.m. I was frantic. But he explained that things had gone wrong at work and told me not to worry. We could still get up first thing in the morning and join the others. I was, I was disappointed, of course, but decided to make the best of it. First thing in the morning, I was up and, I, and had everything in his car while, he was, while it was still getting light. All ready to catch up with my friends and their fathers at the campground. Dad said we'd leave around 7, and I was ready a half an hour before that. But he didn't even come out of his room until 9 a.m. When he saw me standing out front, of the, out front with the camping gear, he finally explained that he had a bad back and couldn't sleep on the ground. He hoped I'd understand and that I'd be a, a big boy about it. But could I please get my things out of the car? Because he had several commitments he had to keep. Just about the hardest thing I ever done was to go to the car and take out my sleeping bag, cook stove, pop-up tent and supplies. And then while I was putting my stuff away in the storage shed and he thought I couldn't see, I watched him carry his golf clubs out and threw him in the trunk and drove away to keep his commitments. The young boy says, that's when I realized my dad never meant to go with me to the camp out. I didn't matter to him, but his golfing buddies did. This morning I'm not intending to be heavy or a heavy message by any stretch. I'm not intending to be downers for dads, but I want to encourage you. You see, I don't believe that this story depicts any fathers in this room. But I believe that if we embrace these characteristics, if we seek to be fathers that are able to express genuine love, if we seek to be fathers who live a transparent life, who embody authentic Christianity, if we become fathers of positive influence, that we won't have stories like this of our children saying, my dad was never for me, he was all about his buddies. 
But we'd have stories of children saying, it was my dad who was there when I needed him the most. It was my dad who picked me up. It was my dad who showed me love, even though I ran away and did everything that I shouldn't do. So fathers, don't feel kicked or beaten down because it often feels that way. Become dads who are able to express genuine love. Dads who live a transparent life. Dads with genuine or authentic spirituality or Christianity. Dads who have a positive influence. Dads, I want to encourage you this morning. In fact, dads, would you join me up here? All these children are here to help us. Dads, come on up. Dads, all I know this is the most uncomfortable part of Father's Day service because no dad ever wants to be at the front. We just want to collect calls to know that we're needed. Come on, dads. Come on, dads. Mr. Henry, that includes you. Come on. Come on, dads, all of you. Line up across the front here. You see, here's where, uh, here's where you begin to see that this picture of a bow tie comes out. Dads, you are an incredible gift to your family. Dads, you mean so much and have so much opportunity to influence your children and your grandchildren. This morning we want to honor you with a little reminder, a little token of what it means to be a a picture of a dad. It's a, a bow tie, but you don't worry, you don't have to wear it. You get to eat it. Children, can you help me hand out those bow ties? And we're going to get a picture of this in a second where all the dads are holding... Thank you, dear. We're all going to be holding our bow ties. We're all going to be holding our bow ties. There you go. So I need everyone to move in so we can get a picture. And then, um, Nancy, where are you? Nancy, would you at the end close in prayer for our fathers? Could I ask you to do that? Come on in here. Squeeze in. We want to get a nice picture. Squeeze in. You're going to hold your, hold your bow tie up. Somebody, Linda, can you take a picture for us? You can't, okay, squeeze in guys, squeeze in dads, move in. No, keep moving in, keep moving, come in front. Yeah, I go in between here. Dads, you all know how to smile, hold your bow ties up, Smile. Darcy, can you move in a little bit? <laughs> I'm just going to grab this here. Watch your foot. Just stay here, guys. I'm... Just stay here.
Father, we come to you and we thank you. God, and we close this morning by honoring our fathers, by honoring you who is our Father. So, Father, would you have your way in our lives? God, thank you for this time we had together. We pray for our afternoon. We pray that the weather would be awesome as we just have a great time to celebrate together. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. God bless you, fathers. Happy Father's Day. Thank you. God bless you, church. Thank you so much for being with us.